Okay, we're out here on the campaign trail again. I'm here with um, Senator Avery Power, and it's minus one degrees. It's Wednesday evening. <laughs> it's freezing, and she's out canvassing. Uh, good evening, Senator Power. Welcome to Near FM. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Connor. Um, fair play to you coming out on a on a night like this. It's you know it, it's it really, it's it, it really is Baltic. <laughs> However, you know I'm sure there are other teams out there yeah. uh, as well. But um, you know, fair play to you. So just to catch up with you on you know different things. Obviously, there's a few things that you're campaigning on, and I've obviously had a look at your website and that things that obviously have cropped up are Beaumont and the healthcare. What, what what's your answer to it? Um, well, I think that's the number one issue. It's certainly the biggest issue that people have been raising with me right across the constituency. Um, especially those who've had personal experience um, of the A&E in Beaumont. Um, I mean, I think there's no simplistic answer. Um, you know, certainly there is a need for a new A&E there. The Beaumont A&E was built decades ago for a fraction of the people who are going through it at the minute, so it's a very cramped space. Um, but moreover, there's a need to take people out of A&E who don't need to be there. So w- the reason why often after people are admitted um, to A&E and told that they need to be, need to stay in hospital and they need a hospital bed the reason why they're stuck in A&E for two or three days is because there's no beds elsewhere in the hospital to be able to move them to a ward um, and that's because there are up to 100 people there all the time who are fit to be discharged either to a nursing home or to home with, with supports, with home care supports but those services aren't there um, so you have people who would be better off at home, who prefer to be at home, provided they can have nursing support yeah. and, and care visits, um, but who are stuck in A&E. Um, and that's just crazy because the cost of it, it costs €6,000 a week um, to have somebody in, in a bed in Beaumont, you know, and it costs a fraction of that um, for them to be in a nursing home, about 1000 1200 in, in a nursing home, um, and less for, for home care. So I think there's a need, there, yes, there's a need for more investment in some areas. As I said, there is a need for better physical space. But, you know, a lot of the problems in the health service could be solved just by reconfiguration and, and making sure right, the money okay. is spent better okay. in other areas. Right, okay, okay. So that's that, that's kind of... Uh, I think it's dreadful that we've, I mean, we've now got to a situation where Bowman Daney is so bad that people tell me they're afraid to go there. And I find that particularly upsetting. An elderly lady I was talking to during the week who said to me that, you know, she'd, she'd rather die at home than go to Bowman. Okay. And I think in a first world country for people to say that and to feel yeah. that they're afraid to yes. go to a hospital, I just think is totally unacceptable. Um, and that's where I would differ with particularly the government parties. You know, the Fine Gael in the election, it's all about the economy and, and taxation and, and things like that. Um, but I mean, what's you know they're talking about the recovery, but what kind of recovery is there? Yeah, people so that's what that's what you're. You know, I, yeah. I can I just say to our listeners that I've been out for the last half an hour with with Avril and. You know, the people you've talked to, certainly that seems to have been coming across yeah. a lot of the people that have uh, yeah. opened their doors, yeah. uh, that that's what they've kind yeah. of mentioned to so you. So that's my number one priority. And as, as an independent, if I'm elected as an independent TD, I won't support any government that's not prepared to build a new A&E involvement and address the, the A&E crisis there, the healthcare crisis okay. in the area. Okay, can we move on? Because you were very powerful about the the adoption bill. And where, like, I presume that's now fallen now, has yeah. it, or it's just stalled? It got, yeah, so, yeah. Um, as you know, I was adopting myself, so this initiative is very close yeah. to my heart. Adopted people in the UK for the last 30 years have had a right to their birth certs, which gives you your parents' original names, mm. and then entitlement to say your medical history and things like that. I um, I remember when I was in college and I was diagnosed with a lump on my breast, which thankfully was, was benign, it wasn't cancer, but I had to get it taken off. And I remember the doctor asking me if there a history of breast yeah. cancer in her family. And when I had to tell him I didn't know, that was pretty frightening. Yeah. Um, you don't know if every woman in your family has, has died. Yes. 
yep. um, or if there's other serious illnesses that you should be guarding against. So when I was elected um, to the Senate, I for, I'm lucky in that I do know. I did eventually, it took me a long time to find my mother. It took me about 10 years. But when I, I do know and now have a relationship with my mum and my two half-sisters very good. and half-brother yeah. and that's yeah. great. Um, but when I was elected to the Senate, I think I just, I mentioned in a debate that I was adopted and that I had found my family and it was a positive experience for me. And I started getting letters from all over the country, letters and emails from other adopted people, from natural parents, particularly elderly women who had, had their sons and daughters taken from them yes. years ago and don't yep. know where they are. So... I thought I, f- I felt that as an adopted person and as a politician that I should use my personal experience um, and my role in the Senate to, to change that um, yeah. and to give us a system akin to that where they yeah. have in the UK. So I brought forward a bill. Um, I published it as just one individual member and I got two other, uh, two independent senators to, to second it with me. And then I spent months building cross-party support. So it came before the sh- Senate last year and passed with unanimous support, which is Brilliant. quite rare. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yes, yeah. I was delighted with that. Unfortunately, it didn't make it into the Dáil before the general election. So that's one of the reasons why I want <laughs> okay. to yes. be elected yeah. to the Dáil, um, is to make sure that it gets through the Dáil, because there are 50,000, 60,000 adopted people in Ireland and their natural parents. And I think it's a great cruelty that people to this day still don't know, you know okay. who they really are or anything about their family history or anything like that. Yeah. So... You get re-elected or elected to the doll. That's one of the another yeah. thing that you you, yeah. you want to you want yeah. to progress, Grant. Um, and then of course, you were heavily involved with the marriage equality and getting that passed. Yeah. Do you see that as a help or a hindrance going around the you know the constituency? <laughs> you know, because it is a very uh, imparse conservative yeah. Um, yeah. constituency. Yeah. And yeah. do you think that people recognise that, yeah. or is it? Well, look, something... I mean, I, I took the decision on marriage equality that it was something that I personally felt very strongly about. I have a lot of gay friends, and I think they should be entitled to the same rights as anybody else. Um, and I knew in doing that that you know that could cost me some support. I certainly had had colleagues um, in in Leinster House who told me the reason they weren't canvassing for a yes vote was because they were afraid that it would alienate people or they'd lose votes for the general election. Personally, I think the reason that you know you should be in politics is to actually achieve change and to stand up on issues that you care about. Um, so I knocked on you know doors all across the constituency. Um, so re- some areas were, were more difficult than others, more conservative than, than others, but. You know, I got out and I, I made a case and to people that we got a great result in, in this area in the end. It was overwhelmingly passed. Since then, you know, some people have told me that they won't vote for me because they disagreed with me on that issue. Um, others have told me that, you know, that they, they voted no, but they respected the fact that at least I said where I was coming from, that other politicians and even in, in media interviews since have refused to, even now to say if they voted yes or if they yep. voted no. Okay. And I think people are just fr- frustrated and fed up with that kind of politics. Um, I think my experience is that, you know, even if people disagree with you on an issue, they respect the fact that you're honest and that you take a stand and they, they know where you're coming from. Okay. Okay. Um, and I also meet, I was canvassing there recently um, in Clare Hall and I met a lovely couple, um, uh, two women, and one of, the, uh, one of them called out to her son and, and said, Sean, come meet the lady who helped make us a family. <laughs> so, you know, so that's one of my highlights of this campaign. You know, I've met other lesbian and gay couples who, for whom it mattered an awful lot. And, you know, it was a privilege for me to work right. on that campaign okay. and play a small part. Okay. okay. Now, of course, the other thing then um, is the whole housing issue and homelessness. Yeah. How do you see that being solved, you know, either short term or long term? I mean, I, th- I think the solution is, is supply. I mean, the biggest problem at the minute is that we're just not building enough houses. Um, and I, I think that's extraordinary. When we when we had an above in this country, we built social housing all, all over Ireland, huge tracts of this constituency where council estates 
Um, and I think it's just bizarre that in 2016 the government can't get its act together and do that. You have na- empty NAMA units around the place that aren't being uh, that aren't being taken on board. There are boarded up houses right across this constituency. I see that when I'm walking around council areas that there are houses that are boarded up and not occupied. Um, while you have families, you know, you have people out on the streets, you have families sleeping with the entire family in one room in a and b um, So I think there's a need to increase supply, but particularly supply of public housing. Um, and I think what we've seen over the last last few years is this ideological issue where um, governments have decided that housing is something that should be left to the private market. I don't agree. Um, I think if you look at other parts of the world, for example, this is an area that I have an interest in. I've read quite a bit about um, Singapore as a very capitalist country, one of yeah. the tiger economies. Yes, would be, yes. Um, but the vast majority of people live in public housing. Oh, right. 90%. Okay. So they still have private housing and you can opt for a private house if you wish, but over 90% of people live in public housing. Right. And that is everything from the state builds everything from a bedsit for students okay, right. um, up to a four-bedroom family home. So you think that kind of model have would, a different psychology could, could actually they, work they here? They see housing as something that's a public good, just like education or healthcare or other public services, and not just about wealth creation or somewhere for developers to make money. Um, and I think we need to you know, rethink ourselves and say, what kind of country are you if you know you've seen and others the economy's recovering and you know we're doing great but you've got incre- you've got 1600 children in dublin who are homeless yeah. tonight yeah okay uh, and then of course that that kind of leads on then to things like i suppose water the water charges and stuff like that what's your stance on that i well i voted against the water charges in the senate i am and i've been consistent on that since the start okay i am um, i think the whole thing has just been extraordinary debacle the legislation was pushed through um, the Dáil and Janet within a few hours, very complex legislation. Actually, the entire opposition walked out together in in protest at the process that the government just didn't debate it, consider it. And I think since then we've seen it just unravel piece by piece. Um, and it's we've now got to a point where we're, they're losing money on it. Um, it's actually it's actually costing us money, and there's less money being spent on fixing pipes and and things like that than there were a few years ago. So I think the whole rationale for it um, is gone. And then I have. You know, you've constituents, people across the constituency as well, affected by say issues like lead pipes, um, where the government has announced a grand scheme, but it only covers some of the costs. And people saying to me, "Well, what, what's the point of Irish okay. water right. if I'm paying my water, my water bill and don't have drinkable water?" And the government saying that to replace the pipes, that if you're over a certain income, that it, that you're on your own, that it's up to you right. to replace it. So okay. I think it just doesn't add up. Okay, and I suppose um, things like as an independent, you know, your influence over this whole whole idea of the special criminal court. Do you think, you know, because I know you you're you. You have a diploma in law and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. How do you, how do, you, how would you equate the special criminal court with that? Well, I mean, I think we saw um, in the collapse of the Limerick gang trials a few years ago that it's not reasonable to expect ordinary people um, to testify against major gangland criminals in an, in a normal uh, trial or to serve on a jury. Um, that case collapsed because people just wouldn't wouldn't serve on the jury. You know, and this is where I would have very strong different opinions. Say, for example, with, with Sinn Fein, I am, um, and they have. So I saw Jerry Adams has suggested that you know people could go into witness protection. But you know, you're asking the people, the honest, decent citizens, to go and you know uproot their lives and be sent off to Australia or Canada or, or America or, or somewhere else for doing their civic duty. I just don't think that's reasonable. Um, and I think, you know, if we're going to win the war against these guys, that you, you have to make sure the legal system is stacked in favour of justice. Um, and in, in fact, stacked in favour of the ordinary person rather than rather than the criminals. And I think the special criminal court has a very important role to play there. Now, there's also a need, obviously, for more guarded resources. Um, 
and you know it's part the government in in the wake of the recent shootings has set up a new armed guardy unit in Dublin but unfortunately that has meant that they've taken 50 guardy out of stations um, and off their, off their normal mm. beat and one of the things that I've noticed as well from canvassing knocking on doors the, the last few weeks is the number of people and particularly elderly people across the constituency who won't open the door um, that, and that has increased dramatically compared to five years ago so I mean the election in 2011 was also in the winter it was dark in the evenings but a lot more people were comfortable coming to the door right, okay. and I think there's a real sense of fear and that's because the Gardaí and our local stations have been decreased dramatically and it's just not that, that community right, presence okay, anymore of Gardaí okay, that they don't feel safe in their own no. home nearly uh, no, or answering the door you know, the and I think that's a shame enough, you know, if right. people don't what, like, what do you have in life if you yeah, don't actually yeah, feel exactly, safe at home exactly, okay now, of course the burning question is you get elected Yes. To the doll, <laughs> and uh, well, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to comment on that. But yeah. you get elected. It's a hung doll. Yeah. You get a call from the Taoiseach or Michal Martin, you know, to say we, you know, what what are your red lines? What are your, you know, what's your shopping list? And that's yeah. a question I ask every yeah. independent. Yeah, I am. Um, well, my overall priority would be to ensure that we not we don't just grow the economy, but we also rebuild our public services. Um, I think the economy is recovering at a global level and that's positive, but our public services have been decimated. As I said, people are even afraid to go to Bowman, A&E, um, the lack of guardie on the streets, the cuts for children with special needs, older people who can't make ends meet with all the extra charges coming out of their pension. So my priority would be to build a fair society and that would, I'd want, would only support a government that had that as its broad trust. Right. And then within that, as I've said, my, I won't uh, support any government that's not prepared to deal with the A&E crisis in, in particular. In Beaumont Hospital, we have the most overcrowded A&E in Dublin, one of the worst in the country. Um, and it's just not acceptable to me in 2016 that you would leave patients, particularly people in their 80s and 90s, sitting on chairs or trolleys for, for two or three days. It's, it's not good enough in a first world country right. to have those conditions. Other A&Es have seen investment. You know, Brendan Howland, our Minister of Public Expenditure, in charge of the money. They have a new A&E in Wexford. There's a new one, Limerick, new one in Limerick, where Michael Newland is from but not in this area. Right, okay. You know, and I think okay. it's about time that politicians in this area made that a priority and right. set up okay. for people. So, the question I have to ask you, yeah. would you go and vote with Micheál Martin and Fianna Fáil? My, as I said, my, my priority would be to ensure that, you know, my policy priorities Right. Are okay. You know, it's okay. not. It's not personal. It's not, it's personal. not about okay. who I want All right. To it's do. not a personal thing. All right. Okay. Okay. Or, right. It's, you know, it's it's a professional. It's, it's about seeing what's what's right, right. for the country. Okay. That would Grant. be my priority. Okay. Um, and ensuring that we both have disability that we need for our economy, but but also fairness as well. Okay. Well, April, as I say to all the candidates, the very best of luck with, with your campaign. It doesn't mean that I favour anybody, but just to, fair play to you for going out in a light like this with your team. And uh, thanks for talking to us on Near Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Connor.